Hello, welcome to Tet Manor Podcast. We're on episode two of the new season. And I'm feeling like absolute deaf today, chaps. So if I'm spluttery or just don't sound well, that's why. And I'm sure all the listeners want to hear about all of that. Um, John, you've hurt your shoulder as well. Is this the sick note pod? Yeah, I think so. Ben's out of action as well. Um, I've done it in sympathy with Josh Ruffles, obviously. Although I didn't do it falling or getting chucked onto the ground. I was going to say, did you try and recreate it yeah. dramatically? <laughs> Don't recreate goals in my back garden. I recreate injuries. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, but I'll survive. Um, we're all uh, on medicine to get through this. Uh, just, just the commitment yeah. we have, isn't it? Pint of cowpole all round. Exactly. Please, no one listening down a pint of cowpole. That is not the way. Um, Anymore. Jack, how are you? Yeah. <laughs> Jack, how are you? Yeah, not too bad. I don't have any um, injuries or illnesses to report. Um, just, you know, ticking along, really. Good. Nice. Maybe it's, you know, the extra bit of youth that you've got on your side. And speaking of youth, Connor, you're with us as well. <laughs> good evening. <laughs> I'm, oh, yeah, uh, you... yeah, I'm I'm in good health, but there's uh, there has been an injury in my family this week, which is my dad, bless him. So uh, okay. he's out of action of work as well for a few weeks. So it's an exciting of... injury, or oh, it's a very, it's a very exciting injury. He chopped, well, cut top of his fingers with his hedge trimmer while at work. So uh, that was quite nasty. Okay. That was a trip to the JR, but he's all right. He should be fine in a couple of weeks' time. Thankfully, he didn't they... chop it off. So I was going to say, right. are they still? Yeah, a bit of they were. Uh, yeah, only just. Yeah, yeah, bit of prosthetic. Okay. Yeah. So right, lots of. <laughs> there's been um four games since we last had a pod some of them matter more than others and so we'll just probably wang our way through that when we get to it um let's start with kr new contract it seems like years ago doesn't it already since that was announced but jack i, I noticed you you put a few comments i think you tweeted from our account about the 20 minute long interview on i follow impressed with what you heard from him and happy that he's staying put yeah for sure i think um, we've seen and we've said this a lot on the pod that he's kind of matured and calmed down his kind of very emotion, emotive way of speaking. Um, and actually that 20 minute interview was very kind of restrained, but equally emotionally positive and also quite passionate as well. Um, I don't think there's many managers who'd sit and give a 20 minute interview just talking about the project as he kept referring to and. Yeah. where he sees us going and the development. And it was almost like a mini appraisal of his entire time at the club thus far and equally where he wants it to go. So, it uh, you know, it all sounds very positive indeed. Yeah, Connor, did you... I'm not sure if you managed to catch up on that, but he KR talked about a particular low point of his career with us being that 4-2 away defeat to Accrington on a Tuesday night. And he said he looked at... <laughs> He looked at a fan in the eye after the game and he felt the pure hatred was there. Yeah. Um, was that I, you or me? I don't think it was me. I was going to say, I remember that game vividly because we were together, weren't we, for that one? Um, yeah, it was. Uh, that certainly was a low point and I imagine it's probably a low point in his, uh, in, in his time with Oxford. I do remember the um, a couple of fans holding up a Robinson Out banner, weren't they? Because uh, obviously... Yeah. The, 
the dugout and no, sorry, not the dugout. The changing rooms are in in the far corner, aren't they? So they have to walk past the away fans to get to get in there. And at the end of the game, there was a lot of chip going on. And I remember me and you were, you know, we had very sour faces because we were absolutely soaked, weren't we, that night in the open terrace? Yeah. Um, and obviously watching a, a miserable performance, it wasn't great. But you know, that's um, it's it's quite nice in some cases that we can now look back on that and say, you know, KR's done extremely well since then and I was really happy to see that four-year contract signed I think it's a great coup for us because um you know he's he's been fantastic for us and one of the best managers we've had and you know in a long list of good managers to be honest with you we've had some very good managers over recent years in particular so you know he's going to carry that on Uh, I'm pleased cool and John four years is quite a long contract at this level isn't it so there's a lot of faith in in KR from the board yeah i mean I, I remember raising eyebrows when they gave him a three-year last time as that is a long time at this level but i mean we forget what it was like when we sort of change managers quite regularly and then we had the stability under wilder under appleton and, and now robinson so i don't think you can you can underplay that and i think you know with kr there'll always be elements of what how you operates that will annoy us like you know, the post-match interview with Lincoln, for example, for yeah, me, that we'll, yeah. we'll talk about later. But there's plenty about, there's more, much, much more that we love about him. And, you know, he's he's got the credit of, of showing that he can make it work for the club. So I think there's not going to be any periods where he should have come under any considerable pressure for the foreseeable. So I think it's a good place for him. I, I think he's decided that Oxford is the way he becomes a championship manager again. I don't think anyone, I'm not quite sure why from the championship is necessarily going to come and, try and sign him from us so I think he sees that this is the place to be for the long run yeah yeah the bit the bit that stood out to me was kind of Jack referenced the model stuff earlier but how he was saying that he wants players in the catchment and you know maybe outside the county to be looking at Oxford as a really attractive proposition um, for their development and not being Southampton all the time as it was in the past or the plastics up the road or whatever, <laughs> you know, actually come, actually come to Oxford. So hopefully, you know, that is something that comes to fruition. Um, other news then, Sam Winnell was signed. And uh, John, I heard you talking a bit about Winnell on your BBC Oxford star appearance. And you were, you seem to focus quite a lot on height. And I know you, you were looking at Ta- Matty Taylor's height and Winnell's height. I was quite surprised. Didn't you say they're the same height? I'm getting excited about it now. They, they, well, as you see, like you know, you take the piss and then get well into it. Um, <laughs> they are both they are both 1.75 meters high, according to the well-known wow. Wikipedia um, research center. Because um, I think in my mind, I was thinking, well, what sort of striker do we need? And ideally, we're not looking for a big target man because that doesn't work for the system. But um, do we need someone who can possibly perhaps play a bit longer or run into the channels or, or rough up the centre-halves a bit more? So I was expecting someone who would have been a bit more um, taller or a bit more physical. But I think he is that, and he is a different player to Taylor. But he's not hes not that dissimilar to Taylor, so it is a bit more of a straight swap, really, um, yeah. which, which is fine. Um, because, you know, as we've already seen with a catalogue of injuries already, uh, Taylor's unlikely to last the whole season. So in some ways... We will need him to come in and play in exactly the same way. He's got that kind of grizzly yeah. quality to him as well, a bit like Taylor, the hipster beard approach. But we, we talked about it on the last pod and his record, obviously, in League One, Jack, 
when he was down down there with Barnsley, and then he I think he had a decent you know follow up season in the Championship as well with pretty much a goal um, every other game. You know his stats, you know, are really exciting for us, and it's it's not like it was seasons. He's obviously had a bit of a stop start time since then, hasn't he? But you know, I'm I'm very excited about it. Yeah, I think he's a bit of a strange one because he's the classic kind of player who's, you know, started off at Premier League Wolves as they were when he came through and had a few kind of loan spells here, there, everywhere. Um, I think Wolves released him and he turned up at Scunthorpe and smashed in 20-odd goals, got his move to Barnsley. As you say, I think he scored 30 goals in two seasons in League One, another 10 or 11 in the Championship. and. Yeah, you know he's got the pedigree at this level, and that, that's what we needed. We didn't want to bring in, you know, we've already brought in, if you like, a, a complete unknown in Osai. We've got Aji who could come good, but to get an experienced, proven striker at this level is probably one of our better signings this summer. If and it's probably a big if at the minute, he can get fit reasonably quickly. Yeah, that is definitely a big if when you look at his injuries over the last few years. He's got a bit of a dodgy knee, I want to say. Yeah, he did his. One of the ligaments when he was at Derby, um, seventeen eighteen season. I think he's not quite found a runner game since, but hopefully yeah. that's uh, you know not not a recurring issue. Yeah, and Connor, like, what do you reckon will happen with regards to let's say both Winnell and Taylor are fit and both are firing? Do you think we might look at? It's all very hypothetical, this, isn't it? But do you think we might look at changing the shape to accommodate them? It, do, it looks like Winnell is much more of a central player, so it doesn't look like he's going to be filling a void on either flank. So yeah, I mean, like you say, it's obviously hypothetical talk, and I do. I, I personally think that um, they'll be used um, separately. I don't think they'll be used together unless we're chasing a game. I'll be surprised if we see them starting together in a sort of, you know, a four four two or whatever. I, I don't really see that personally because I don't think we've got the calibre out wide to be playing those sorts of formations. Um, yeah, I just, I, I think it's a good signing, but I, I'm also like, like Jack has said, you know, I'm, I'm still slightly uh, concerned of his, his fitness levels. Um, obviously, that can come good, hopefully, but then you know, those, those uh, reoccurring injuries. Um, let's hope they don't come to come to fruition with us and uh, he can kick on really because I say he's you know he's not he's not a spring chicken anymore but like you say he's got extremely good caliber at this level and if he can kick on and score a few goals for us here and there then you know it's a successful signing because Matty Taylor in my eyes is still you know our number nine he is the he's the main man um, but I think winner will certainly give him a run for his money um, if as I say like you said if it's a big if uh, he gets fit yeah it's it's one of the it's hard though, isn't it? Because he's got to get fit, and then he needs to play games to yeah keep that fit. It's obviously so. It's like how yeah. and now we're out of one of the cups. So. There's a lot, yeah, a lot exactly. of games in coming up though. There'll be a lot of Tuesday Saturday type stuff. Yeah, and I think true, I think true. the the left sided, pacey, tricky wide winger. It, it's a cliche, but it'll still rely on the service into those two. So mm. Winnell could be a great signing, but he doesn't look like he creates an awful lot by himself and that might be that might be quite harsh to say that because I haven't seen him but um, we don't want to sort that issue out yeah I, I think I agree with that definitely John I think that's one of the areas that we really need to pick up on relatively soon and sorry Jack if I interrupted you go on no I was going to say I think to begin with we'll probably see Winnell play in the Mackie type role of you know a 15-20 minute sub appearance yeah. here and there um, 
hopefully having more goal threat or, well, a chair would have more goal threat. So hopefully. Um, <laughs> oh. Do you reckon he'll adopt that kind of like dramatic gallop of a dying horse, <laughs> you know, chasing around the back line that Mackie used to do? I mean that in the nicest way possible. I love the guy. Um, <laughs> anyway, on to, on to matches and stuff. So Wimbledon feels like a long time ago. That was our first competitive fixture uh lined up with kind of atkinson and more at the back as we we kind of expected ruffles and long mcguin got a start with goran and brannigan henry taylor sykes up front and then that left wing we kind of didn't really know how that left wing role was gonna pan out and i don't think we still know and obviously that's still up in the air and we'll get to that in a bit um did anyone actually follow this game jack you mentioned you you caught at least a good 60 minutes or so of it, but it seemed like a stop-start performance where Wimbledon actually just came into the game and it was very even more than anything. Yeah, it, I think KR had built it up during the week saying we're treating this as kind of the final friendly, a bit more of a competitive yeah. friendly, if you like, and it did play out that way. Um, it was a kind of classic first game of the season in that everyone looked a little bit off the pace. Obviously, had the Atkinson and Moore partnership trying to find itself a little bit. Um, and we just touched on the whole left winger situation. Sykes isn't comfortable on the left wing and it showed. Mm. Um, so, yeah, it it was, it was what you would expect from a first game of the season, to be honest. Wimbledon are Wimbledon. They, they don't come to play. Um, they come to break it up and give it out and all that kind of thing. So, you know, it was never going to be pretty and you could have probably predicted that it would probably go to penalties. Um, yeah. So yeah, you know, it was it was good to get through in that sense. Brannigan's goal. He see Brannigan seems com- more confident than ever of taking pot shots from outside the box so far this season, but decent goal, got a bit of a deflection. But yeah, good that we got through on pens, but as we're going to come to, it doesn't matter anymore. Um <laughs> going in chronological order, played Chelsea next. Actually, sorry, did Goran get injured in the Wimbledon game? Yeah, he came. Yeah, the last time he played, he came off after about an hour. I think. It yeah, was. I watched the whole Wimbledon game. Any, John? What do you reckon about that? Like opportunity for Kelly to play in that kind of deep, holding, creative midfielder, playmaker role, or you know, I think it's it's a good opportunity for him, isn't it's it? It's a really yeah, it's an interesting one because I think against lesser teams, so to speak. You can play Kelly in that role, and yeah, in theory, you can do the sort of quarterback type thing that well, we didn't really see against Lincoln, but um, you can certainly do that. But I think Goran's a massive miss from the defensive side playing against better teams when it does need someone whose mentality is just to drop into the cent into the defense to be a third centre back or or cover across. So I'm a little bit concerned about that because I people seem to jump to the fact that Kelly can play there, and I. They are completely different types of players. I'd rather have Kelly in front of Gorian yeah. and running it a bit further up the pitch. So I think we'll get away with it. And you might have tried someone like Ford in there. <laughs> he seems to be able to play anywhere. anywhere. So, um, but it's not it's not an insurmountable issue. But I don't think he's a he's not yeah. a light for light definitely. Um, we then played Chelsea in the insert funny sponsor here <laughs> trophy. Um, one two one. Only real things of note were, I think Aji got a bit of a scruffy goal, but there was a really, really nice goal where Aji held it up, I think played the ball to Sykes, and then Sykes, really nice tidy through ball that Osse was running onto, um, put it in the far corner. 
low finish and that was that was, was a great really finish wasn't goal. it anyone see that yeah he took it really well very uh clean strike into the bottom left corner it was, it was a good finish he's actually done quite well for us hasn't he since he's since he's come in in all the preseason games and whatever yeah. I'm, I'm actually quite I don't know. I'm quite optimistic about him. I actually want to see a bit more of him. Um, and I think, like uh, Jack made reference to just a minute ago, the left side um, position where obviously Sykes has played in, in the last few games, as you know, he, like I say he doesn't look comfortable there. Perhaps it might be a place where um, Oyosi or however you pronounce his surname, I'm, I'm terrible. I'm going to butcher that so many times this season. Derek. Dalboy Derek, yeah. Yeah, um, I love how yeah. Chaos actually calling him Delboy. Like we, we seem to love him like <laughs> English football. Like we'll just um, ruin any sort of like foreign player's name just to drill it down. Um, he he talks really well in his interviews as well, and his English has come on like he's, leaps and bounds in the space of like four weeks. Yeah, well, they were saying incredible. that um, Atkinson speaks fluent French, doesn't he? Because he was born in France, so. Um, Atkinson's been helping yeah. him with his English, which is obviously really good, and they're quite similar ages as well, so they obviously get on quite well, um, which is great. But yeah, like I say, I, I think we might be seeing him on the left hand side a little bit more if uh, if we don't actually bring in another, you know, a, a solid left sided player. Um, we'll have to wait and see. We'll have to wait and see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Atkinson has got one of those voices. That's, <laughs> I don't know. I'm going North <laughs> London. But it, it's it's so deep. I can't imagine what he sounds like in there. <laughs> we, should get, we should get him on. We've got to try and get an yeah. interview with Atkinson in French. French Terminator yeah. at the back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, next game in that trophy, Bristol Rovers in October at some time. Don't really care. There you go. Um, important game. Gas. So, Sorry. Had to get that in. Yeah. <laughs> Lincoln, Lincoln away then. Um, so similar team that kind of started that Wimbledon game, if not the same, apart from Gorin for Kelly and then Henry and Sykes seemingly swapped sides where Henry played off the left for a bit. Um, About five minutes, yeah. Jack, what... Yeah, exactly. Jack, what were your general thoughts on the game if you were if you were summing things up? Um, having reflected on it, I think we weren't as bad as the immediate meltdown that was kind of across Twitter and various outlets, but Indeed, yeah. it brought back a lot of the issues we had last season. And if those issues don't uh, get sorted this season, we won't do any better than last season. Agreed. Yeah, I I kept on the things that we were obviously watching the game and chatting to each other as we were watching it. But what was the stat half time like? We had nineteen crosses um, from the right hand side, and one of those hit an Oxford man. It was only and after like ten, you would expect maybe we would mix something up, and it was often Henry, wasn't it as well? Um, there was one that went to the back post, John. I remember you saying, "Yeah, you well, know, that, that was what I was. That? Well, that was what I was going to reference, and it it was really." I think it was just poor crossing on the day um, and equally poor cross, not getting into perhaps the right position to stretch their defence as every time we crossed it, their two centre-halves were banging position, ready for mm. it. And that's, exactly, that, yeah. that was the issue all game. Their, their two centre-mids were always in position. I mean, it was that cliche about some managers say how they go and 
you know, take a tape measure between players and say, right, you two metres, you two metres. There were times you looked across the pitch and go, God, they're just scaringly all in position, the defenders and the midfielders. And it was, you know, a really high quality team not letting themselves be broken down performance from Lincoln. Yeah. I, I still don't know what type of... Like, Matty Taylor is obviously a great... You know, he's kind of like a poacher player. He's not necessarily like a playoff, the last man pace demon, nor is he a target man. So it's kind of... I just found it a bit strange after cross number 14 um, in the first half, why we kept on going yeah. for that approach, Connor? I, I, Yeah, I also found it quite strange that Henry was not involved very much was he in terms of sort of where you see him drift inside those pockets and kind of operate as a as a 10 which often yeah. plays into Taylor's strengths because that's where we saw a lot of last season the combination play between Taylor and Henry was actually more in those central areas and I did notice that Henry was staying out wide quite a lot and I think I just I just don't think we were really on the ball in the in the first half in particular in fact trying to you know break them down we were just kind of like I say sticking so many balls into the box and there was actually nothing there I think the the uh, the Lincoln City goal from from Scully it was a little bit of a sucker punch though because I think we started off quite well didn't we yeah. um, and then oh well I say quite well I mean we were you know playing mostly in their half um, like I said we still didn't create many chances but. The, the Scully goal was a little bit of a sucker punch, I think, and it kind of took the wind out of us in, for the first half because we just we were so comfortable in possession, but there was really no penetration at all, was there? There was no tempo. That was the, another big thing. I mean, I it was, was getting, very slow, yeah. I was getting frustrated with, um, to a degree, McGuane and Brannigan because Brannigan, yeah. was do, Brannigan was doing his thing where he wants to go and get the ball and make something happen. And McGuane was sort of being forced out. He was sort of almost always in Brannigan's way. And for me... Taylor's going to be isolated like that. Someone needs to be trying to get close to him. And that's either got to be yeah. Taylor coming in, sorry, Henry coming in off the right and McGuane goes slightly wider. We just seem to be sort of doing the thing we do in midfield where everyone's kind of floating around a bit. And if that works, you rip teams to pieces. If it doesn't, you kind of get in each other's way and Taylor just looks completely isolated. Um, yeah. yeah, I was frustrated with the amount of times the ball went sideways and backwards in the first half. There was very, like I say, very little penetrating the lines in the first half. And I think McGuayan was one of those players that I, I thought was kind of op, going to operate in between that kind of, um, operating that number 10 kind of role. I thought he would be the one that would kind of bridge the gap between Taylor and the midfield, but he didn't do that at all. And obviously he got substituted yeah. in the second half. So perhaps KR also noticed that. I think it's, it's interesting with McGuin because... He looked so shit hot in pre-season and then got to a point where... And the Radio Oxford guys keep calling out as well where in the actual competitive games, he doesn't seem to have that same... He's not get, being afforded the space and he his confidence doesn't look completely there to be that player like Baptiste was at the end of his time with us where he was kind of turning and then just going. I think the Sunderland um, game is a big, quite a big moment for him because I think he'll get more space and more time and being a better playing against a better quality quality midfield that wants to play as well. Yeah, I think that yeah. when you, we might see this sort of preseason um, type of form from him, and if we don't, then then maybe it's a case of well, you know, you bring him in and out or come in on bring him on later in the game when there's more time for him to build some confidence up. Yeah, yeah. Jack. I also, think... oh, sorry. Cool. I was no, I was just going to say that I think a lot of uh, McGowan's game is 
driving into space. And with the lack of that width and therefore pace on left, arguably the right, because Henry's not the quickest player in the world, there aren't those gaps, especially against Lincoln, who were happy to sit the two lines of four with no kind of out-and-out winger pulling that four from side to side. There was no space for the midfield to drive into. And we'll keep coming back to it until we sign one, until we have that natural speed that scares defences and pulls people out of position, we will end up just playing in front of them. Yeah. I I was still a bit... um, If I'm Joel Cooper at the moment, though, I'm still kind of looking at all this noise and listening to us chat and thinking, give me a bloody chance. I I agree. I was was pleasantly surprised um, by... His um the build so again sorry to jump around a bit but if you take the Watford goal he burst past three players by effectively doing nothing more advanced than dropping his shoulder and that's yeah. all it, that's all it needs at times so I think he's certainly an option on the left but I, I I think I said it on Radio Oxford like if we can get a sort of Premier Champ loan player in as well who's quick sort of hug the touchline um you know White made things happen with not loads of space to run into it's just because he could knock it over five yards and just you know get space that way I think KR made a good point after the game that if Lincoln had their fans in the stadium they wouldn't be sitting their back line um you know right on the edge of their area after 10 minutes of the game when they're one nil up um you know you just wouldn't do that and I think because of COVID and the lack of fans in the stadium I think we were calling it out you know on when we were watching it weren't we that you know they it's a lot easier for them to just go and do that now and they're the type of team that, you know, that's that they've got that in the locker basically. But I'd... they'd have still played the same tactics. Yeah. Um, I would be reasonably confident of whether they're sort of that, yeah, that sort of nervousness, that sort of tenderness of actually, no, we need to push out a bit. And players, you know, moved away from the game plan might have happened. I can absolutely agree. See that. Yeah, I just don't know what you do if you if you are one of those out and out chalk on your boots left wingers. That game, that wasn't the game for you, really. Um, <laughs> it was hard to get, get in behind them, wasn't it? So, who knows? Um, their first goal, Jack. Any Anything on Schlong's so- shoulders? <laughs> so, well, so, if, any, if anyone's new to listening, <laughs> if, if anyone's new to listening, we've referred to Sam Long and Schlong to shorten the amount of time you have to, you have to spend. That's the only reason, time. yeah. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> it, well, yeah, it was a bit of a disaster from the defensive point of view, wasn't it? Because I think Atkinson gave the ball away and from that moment we never got back in any sort of shape whatsoever. The cross came in pretty easily and for whatever reason, um, you don't, I can't remember seeing it far enough back to work out why Long is in front of his man rather than with him. Um, and it was, you know, it was a pretty unchallenged header in the end and that shouldn't be happening as well, especially not after seven minutes of the game. Yeah, yeah. And there's a factor that we haven't really mentioned at all so far, um, which is the referee. And I remember saying to Jack and John as we were watching the game, um, I don't feel that, I was saying how I didn't feel that emotionally connected and it felt a bit weird and I wasn't angry about how what was going on. And then I just descended into a the crazy person I often do when watching football, mainly due to the referee. And I remember he booked... Sean Clare for someone running into him and then it was that the the free kick that Moore gave away on the edge of the box wasn't it where he literally just came out and kicked the ball and then the ref was like right yeah I don't know this is 
It was never. Oh, I agree with you. It was never that, that that one that led to their goal was never a free kick, and I'm also the same, James. I think I was watching it and. I really was not very emotionally invested at all. But the one thing that did rile me up was some of the decisions, you know, when you start swearing at the exactly, TV, yeah. because it's just, you know, the goal, like, for example, the first goal went in and I just sat there and just went, oh, right, okay. And then when we did concede the second, it was kind of the same thing. It wasn't like how I would react if I was in the stadium, for example. But like I say, the referee's decision was possibly one of the only things that really riled me up during the game. Um, and he, he didn't have a very good game, did he? And I think KR also mentioned that at the end. At <laughs> just the, a little uh, bit. The game. Yeah. yeah, just a little bit. <laughs> but uh, but we come to expect that from him, haven't we? Yeah, K- obviously KR talked a lot about the ref after the game. Um, I thought, I think it was Nathan doing the interview afterwards and Nathan asked quite a few pressing questions about the fact, I, I think, unless I'm unless it was someone else that was posing the questions in another forum to him. But I think I recall him talking about the lack of chances created and that type of thing. And to be fair, KR got quite emotional, a bit defensive, didn't want to talk about any of that and kind of deflected a lot of the performance um, towards the ref. And I don't know if I'm being harsh, but Jack, do, do you recall listening back to that stuff? Is that a fair summary? or? Yeah, I think he... He did quickly move it on. He he used the word dominate and possession quite a lot, which, as we've discussed on this pod before, I don't care if you dominate possession on the halfway line. If you're not creating chances, you're not going to score. You could have 100% of possession in the centre circle. It wouldn't win you the game. Um, yeah. Although, weirdly, a, a, a friend who works in kind of football stats messaged me on Monday saying, oh, how did you guys not win at the weekend? Your expected goals was whatever and Lincoln's was only this. I just said, yeah, but that's the problem with those kind of stats. You see that, yes, there was a, you know, there was a double, double save by their keeper, but that was all we created. Yes, it was a, you know, Sykes in a six-yard box, so the expectedness of it is, you know, very large. But if that's the only thing you do with 65% possession, then you're not going to win games. Yeah, exactly. And final kind of point to note was Atkinson obviously got sent off in like right at the end, John, didn't he? And do you reckon the ref just forgot like what he's meant to do when he just gave him a straight red? He just forgot he had to show the yellow and then then the red. It did make you uh, think that, didn't it? Um, but thank God he did. <laughs> yeah, I know. Because <laughs> it's really worked out in terms of the appeal and um, Atkinson being fit and the senior now being injured. Um, I mean, it was you just really felt for the guy. And, um, you know, it obviously wasn't uh, a red card. It's sad that these days that the moment any studs go near something, um, people seem to give um, yellows and reds for it. And it wasn't high whatsoever. Um, but it's one of those things that Atkinson hopefully we'll look back and laugh at that. You know, do you remember your performance when you made two mistakes or one and a half mistakes and got sent off? Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't think he's anything to get alarmed about, um, but it, whether he, I doubt he was getting ahead of himself, but whether he has or not, it's, it's going to ground him. And um, yeah, well, I'm sure it'll be fine. The thing I noticed about Atkinson is he did, he was given a license to bring the ball out quite a lot. But a lot, yeah. a lot of his running, he's staring down at the ground. Yeah. <laughs> so he's ma- he was often making really good progress through the pitch, um, but I just he just didn't have his head up a lot of the time. But I think I I honestly reckon Dicky was probably very similar when he first came in. Um, I don't think anyone else in the team was necessarily sort of moving 
anticipating that Atkinson was going to then release the ball into a certain area. I think it was like, okay, well, I'll just keep going. I'll just keep going. Yeah. Um, I thought um, Steve Kinnaman made a really good point about um, analysis about how he thought Atkinson played all right and actually Moore didn't help him very much. And it's certainly something I'll look at in the next game because um, Moore is the, this is Moore's second Dickey season, if that makes sense. And he is the leader in that back line. Yeah. Um, so it was interesting to sort of note that actually it was more playing in quite an individual way and Atkinson, they work as a as a two connecting particularly well, um, which I think is something we need to have a look at because Atkinson, I remember him making plenty of blocks and winning the right sort of headers. Um, it's just isolated instance that's cost, cost yeah. him there. Um, Appleton was very complimentary after the game, Jack, wasn't he? Well, he would be, wouldn't you? Um, he, can't, he essentially repeated his pre-match interview, which was Oxford will be up in the top three, but we want to win. And then his post-match interview was they'll be in the top three. It was hard, but we won. Um, <laughs> and uh, I think the interesting thing was he, he said that uh, we set traps for them in the middle of the park. Um, we said before the game that possession doesn't win you a game of football. How true is that? Uh, we knew yeah. they'd have more of that today and they'd have lots of it, but in the middle third of the pitch. So, you know, he set his two lines up, his two banks of four. Um, they clearly worked on shape all week and they didn't they didn't stray from it once. And, you know, fair play to Appleton. He does seem to have the ability to change his style to match the team he's playing, if needs be. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And we, we didn't... I'm just trying to actually think back to the game and the chances. We obviously had... We, did we create anything? I think the first real chance we had was Taylor's shot and then Sykes came in with the rebound and it just looked like he had to score, but decent save. But there wasn't much else. Brannigan had a shot, didn't he, from the edge of the no. box that the goalkeeper made a good oh, save yeah. from. Yeah. Um, that was off a corner, wasn't it? Played short. So that's another example of Brannigan not being afraid to shoot, which is only a good thing, I think. But yeah, other than those, uh, I can't remember anything else. No. Um, right, so on to Watford then. So eight changes from the Lincoln game. Moore, Long, and Brannigan, the only players that kept their place. Uh, Sam Long, Sam Long, yeah, continuing to just play wherever he wherever he feels like it. Um, did he pretty much play in every position during that game? He definitely came in to centre back for a bit. Yeah, yeah, you know, he, he definitely did. He was at left wing back parts at the end of the game, and then he was back <laughs> into centre back. Did anyone? Never, never good, for, never good for your career to be versatile. Oh, no, um, we, I think we're all listening to this. None of us actually watched it, but we've seen the seen the highlights and everything. But it was clear listening in that we were absolutely the dominant team and rave reviews for Ford playing in a central midfield role. Apparently, he was really tidy, looked really good. Jerome was definitely impressed. Um, looked pretty dangerous with a much more direct looking front three in Aji, Ossie, and Cooper. Um, was there anything that stood out to anyone other than other than that in terms of like how, how we how we took the game to Watford? I think Rob Hall's goal was was beautiful, wasn't it? This is where I need to say <laughs> yes, one of your name. It was. Right. It was a great strike. Yeah. It was a great Thanks. strike. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> Everyone was just like jumping at the bit, jumping at the bit to speak about it. Um, yeah, it was a great strike, wasn't it? I mean, like we said earlier, Cooper did well to kind of I mean, like I say, he dropped his shoulder, but kind of also bustled his way past a, a couple of um, Watford players, didn't he? And then, the, and obviously, the ball fell to Hall, and 
left peg. We we all know that Rob Hall possesses the ability to score a, a decent goal. You know, so look back at, I was going to say, I was just about to say that. <laughs> um, yeah, it was a great strike, and um, it'll do him a world uh, a world of good. It will because I think Rob Hall is a confidence player, uh, and I think scoring goals is something that that perks him up a bit. So I'm um, I'm quite glad that he got on the score sheet. Jack, were we just a vic- victim of um, what's Watford's keeper called? It's called like Batman or something, wasn't it? <laughs> I don't remember. It yeah. definitely sounded like Batman. Yeah, Batman. Back- Batman. The German version, Austrian version. Austrian. Okay. He's Austrian, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, it sounded like he just was the reason why we didn't go and make that game more comfortable. Yeah, well, I think I think it should have been done done by half time. I think Brannigan had a another pot shot that got saved we hit the post Cooper somehow missed basically an open net from eight yards and if it was a league game that we were at on his left peg yeah exactly if if it was a league game at half time and we were there we'd all be stood in the concourse going we'll live to regret that and um, yeah you know as many chances as we didn't create against Lincoln we created them all against Watford but still didn't take them so you know hopefully we're saving up to smash someone 5-0 soon yeah, it sounded like um, Stevens had a really good game in goal. Shame about the penalties and not getting on one, but he he had a really good performance. Um, and they were down to ten men when they actually got the equaliser in the the last minute as well. It just felt like we were hanging on at that point. But the team had been like muddled around all over the place. Massinho obviously came off with what sounded like a pretty serious injury. So we'll get on to that in a second. Um, but given that we were jumbling the team all around John, it sounded it was a really good performance. And I, I guess some of those guys are going to feel unlucky if they're not in the squad um, for the for the Sunderland game. Yeah, I think um, Cooper, Ford, maybe Hall. Well, probably not Hall, but I think Cooper and Ford would be definitely disappointed if they're not in the team on on Saturday. I think. Cooper's got to take a lot from that game. He looked like the sort of winger that there's a miss of this is only from the highlights, but who can just sort of worm his way past a full back and just sort of get to the line and sort of make something something happen. So um yeah, I think we're all's not lost on the left wing with with Cooper there, but we'll we said we'll probably talk about it again. It's interesting to see the sort of four two three one, which we kind of ditched yeah. last season for for good reasons, because I think Gorin and Brannigan wasn't working and they said that themselves at the time, and it was a big moment last season where our form really switched but maybe it was the fact that you had Ford and Brannigan as two sort of quite similar midfielders a bit flatter playing but that it it was interesting to see that worked and having Hall close to that sort of main striker seemed to make a difference as well so perhaps there is an option when we're playing more teams like Lincoln and, and Wimbledon to actually see that 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 formation change may be more viable again so that was an interesting thing I think Sam Long did a classic where he's the hero. <laughs> he's the hero this week, and he's, he wasn't the hero against against Lincoln in his performance. Um, sounded like he did really well at left back, which is obviously something we need to talk about at length because that's a big issue. Yeah, um, it's just just a shame about Moose really. Um, again, creates more more headaches, and I don't think they would planned for that at all. I yeah. didn't get the feeling they were going to bring in another centre back. Speaking of like a nice headache, Kr referenced how Del Boy and Aji uh, giving him. <laughs> Nice headaches at the moment um, through their performances, which is good. He, KR was saying we were a different class. You referenced how got to be more clinical and talked about the Lincoln game as well. Like those two games together, it's ridiculous that we've only scored 
um, one goal out of them essentially in open play. And then, um, yeah, Stevens again, great performance there. Connor, are we better out of the out of the tournament? Do you think it just gives? I think it seemed like of all the years, this is the year with no yeah. fans there that we do this. Yeah, I I was completely agree with you. I think if I say of all the years, this is the one where we don't want to really be involved in these competitions. Um, personally, it's it it's not an issue for me. I think the league campaign um, is is obviously the the most important campaign that we're gonna uh, go on this season. So yeah, I'm not too disappointed to be out. I mean, I think if you look at the the performance, it was certainly something you know plenty of positives to take other than perhaps our penalties. Um, I mean, I suppose it was a shame to lose it on penalties, but nonetheless, I think it's probably best off that we're not in the tournament anyway. And I know some fans will probably be like, oh, well, you know, it's always a chance of winning a a competition, et cetera, et cetera. But yeah, you know, I I don't think many people are going to be wanting to pay for iFollow games to watch that sort of stuff every other week. So, you know, I I still think it's probably... you know, it's it's not an issue. Put it that way. I, I I wasn't disappointed. Yeah, and I think Jack, you made a good point in the notes that there's really not that much money involved in the tournament whatsoever, is there? No, apart from the kind of broadcast revenue. Yeah, there's more prize money in the tin pot surprise than there is for kind of our level clubs in this one. Um, yeah, I think the thing with no fans as well. If you're someone like Lincoln, you've got Liverpool at home in the next round behind closed doors. Imagine being a Lincoln fan, <laughs> knowing that you know the probably the best team in England is coming, and you can't get to see it. If we'd have played Man City last year behind closed doors, you know, it's just it's almost a bit of a waste of time. I'd rather they'd have just been this tournament this year instead of trying to squeeze four rounds into September when there's already you know a tight schedule for the rest of the season. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, right, looking forward. We're on to a preview. Jack, you're going to talk a bit about Sunderland, who we've got on Saturday. Yeah, so I noticed today um, there's about eight or nine games being held this weekend that will have up to a 1,000 fans in. Um, OUFC confirms we wouldn't be one of those clubs to do that, partly because um, it was kind of a tight turnaround to get that in place and partly because we're working to make sure the crew game on the first weekend of October is kind of our proper pilot. Um, so I think that's probably a sensible decision. Um, yeah. Sunderland, though, it's, it's been a bit of a funny time the last few years, as, as we know, and quite entertaining from the outside. Obviously, they've had the, the Netflix series that is a incredibly entertaining and funny watch if you're not a Sunderland <laughs> fan. Um, obviously, last, last season, they missed out on the playoffs on goal difference if you ignore PPG. Um they, you know, they were pushing towards the playoffs. They, their fans thought they were kind of on a good run of form as well, as did everyone. Obviously, Peterborough would have gone on to win the league. Um, so Sunderland, you know, might not have made the top two, but they would have been in, in and amongst the playoffs, perhaps. Um, still, all the funnies goings on, kind of off the pitch. Stuart Donald um, obviously said in July he's desperate to sell the club, but here we are in the middle of September and nothing, nothing's happened, which seems to be increasing the kind of hatred of him. Um, I think he's wanting... His... I, I didn't realise he was actually still there, you know. Yeah, this, well, this he, is the thing. Yeah. He, he seems to have disappeared towards the start of this season, gone very quiet, which might suggest there's things happening in the background or it might suggest he just doesn't want to be in the limelight. Um, 
So I don't know, you know, I think Sunderland fans, if, if they're not in and around it at Christmas, it won't be a happy place again. Um, I think there's some talk of some really quite funny stuff going on. I, I, saw, I think it was a local journalist up there saying how Sunderland had taken the payment for this season off off the fans or a quarterly payment or something, whatever it was, but still hadn't repaid the difference from last season tickets if people wanted them. So there's sort of a lot of kind of undercurrent of that kind of activity going on where they're trying to hang on to as much cash as possible, probably with a sale lined up. So it's, yeah, it's, it's you still think there's a lot of unhappy issues at the moment. Yeah, I think their, their kind of transfer window hasn't added, you know, hasn't calmed any of that noise down either because they sold um, Barley Mumba, a lad from their academy, who was quite highly rated. They just let him go for about 350k. Um Sunderland Chronicle kind of summed it up saying such a small fee is the latest example of a lack of long-term planning and another bullet in the armoury of those supporters that believe rather than any long-term vision, the current owners are here to make as much money as possible. Um, so I think it could get quite nasty if their on-pitch on performances don't you know, give them something to, to sing about. Um, they've had no right. You could, you could argue, though, of all the clubs where the fans can turn and there's a poisonous atmosphere, maybe it will help help the players. Absolutely, yeah. Um, well, yeah, this, this is the thing, isn't it? If you've got 25,000 angry Mackhams screaming at you, it, it's not a nice place to play. Um, yeah. They'll, they'll still be walking onto the pitch to Trance Nation, as per Methvin's. <laughs> I reckon he'll just yeah. lock the CD player up and that will always be their song now, even when Methvin's been gone for 20 years. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They probably, they probably won't play any music to save on the license fee. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh yeah, so so on, on the pitch, they've had quite an interesting transfer window. Um, brought in a few useful players. So they had Bailey Wright was on loan from Bristol City. Um, he's turned that into permanent deal. Uh, they signed a keeper from Bolton because their number one last year, John McLaughlin, joined Rangers. Um, and they've signed a, a Kosovan centre-back called, I'm going to murder this, Arbanit <laughs> Jemajili, and he oh, signed from a Swiss side name. called Nukatel Jamax, I reckon. Um, it's a good yeah, effort. Yeah, good effort. I, was, I was reading a bit about it, and they've been using an online system called Scout, which you can drill down into a stupid amount of detail, like show me every player who made five crosses with 30% accuracy, show me a player who covered X many metres over the season. Um, and that's obviously a, a clear example of using that system. Um, one that did stick out for me was Aidan O'Brien, who they signed from Millwall, um, scored 25 goals. A similar, not too dissimilar record to Sam Winland at this level. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how he goes. Um, obviously, if you're talking about players to watch as well, you've got, you know, we all know about Chris Maguire who is still known as King Maguire up there. He's just signed a new contract and scored against Bristol Rovers last week. So that their, their, their squad overall is quite similar to last season. You've still got the likes of Grigg, Ledbitter, uh, our best mate, Luke O'Neill, Josh Scowen. Oh, <laughs> I love that guy. Luke O'Neill. He's a good lad. And it's a lot more League One in feel, though, isn't it? They're sort of slowly starting to get to the message that you need to get rid of your... Um, Camel. You're Aiden, Aiden, Aiden McGeady's and your um, what's the name of the Lee Catamol? Lee Catamol. Where's he? Where's he actually gone? He's retired. Lee 
Oh, I see. So he was he was With on massive he, he was on loan at VVVVVVV Venlo in <laughs> Holland last season. Um, and yeah, he's packed in now. In, interesting, you mentioned McGeady, John, because he's still contracted to Sunderland and they're paying him, but he's not been given a squad number. Uh, so that sounds like maybe a he's sucking all the money out. Of yeah, them. that sounds like a reoccurring issue with Sunderland, doesn't it? Cough, Jack Rodwell, cough. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, it'd it, be interesting to see who plays at the weekend. Um, George Dobson got sent off against Bristol Rovers, so he'll be suspended. So there'll be a bit of a hole in midfield to be filled by one of the numerous midfield players they've got. Um, they have been playing a kind of 3-4-3 with Will Grigg as the main striker and Chris Maguire and O'Brien kind of playing wide. Um, that might change. I know they changed it around last season when they came to the Kassam and kind of played a Lincoln style, as I'm going to call it now, and tried to stop us playing rather than taking it to us. Um, it's interesting that Greg's back in the team, isn't it? Yeah, well, this is the thing because he had a, he had a good a good preseason and scored a few goals. And I think um, John suggested previously that he, he has actually moved up north now um, to kind of make a go yeah, of it. Yeah, I heard it on. Um, I think it was on a, a different podcast somewhere else, but they seemed to. Yeah, he, he was coming from down south, and then as you say, Jack, it sounds like they're building the strike force around him and the kind of rotation of players. I mean, they have brought Danny Graham in. As Danny well. Graham. I saw you. I saw he'd written these. It's not like forty-eight now. How old is he? Yeah, I think. Well, not that old. <laughs> Front three um, of Greg Wake and Graham. That's enough to strike fear into any Premier League club, I reckon. <laughs> no, it didn't. It did all right for Blackburn, but I saw a picture of him, and he looks like a you know proper Womad beard going on, like. One of those where you think you will look so much better if you just had a cheeky show. He's 35, Danny Graham now. Getting off. So, yeah, they've uh, kind of had a strange start to the season. So, they lost on penalties in the Cup, so which means they didn't play on Tuesday. So, they should be fresher than us. They beat Villa 21s, 8-1 in the Tin Pot Trophy. And they... Managed to only draw at home to Bristol Rovers last week, despite having 72% possession, 25 shots and 11 corners. Um, so they'll probably feel a bit, you know, undone like we did against Watford. Um, so with all that, I, I've gone for an optimistic 2-1 win. I think we'll nick it late on. Um, we haven't actually beaten them since April 1994 in the league. Um since then, we've played eight games, drawn five and lost three. Lots of 1-1s one, in there. 1-1. One, one. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, that's um, that's my prediction, 1-1. One, one. There we go. John? I'm going to go for 2-0. Um, I think Ooh. I think they've still got issues. Um, Phil Parkinson's still not kind of got a settled team and, and those sorts of issues. I think they'll play a bit more open, assuming they don't do a Lincoln um, like last time. So, yeah, no, I think we'll, I think we'll get back up. We'll get on it. After this game, I think we'll win it 2 0. And Connor. I'm going with you, Jack. I think 2 1. I think um, we're still going to shift a goal. Um, with, I mean, this is a topic I know we're going to go on to in a moment about centre backs. Um, so I won't jump the gun just yet. Um, but yeah, I think I think we'll nick it again. I don't. I think it will be a, a quite a close knit affair, just like the last previous fixtures have been, where it's been 1 1. But I'm with you, mate. I think we're going to. Just nick it. Hopefully, Matt Taylor. You've you've got 
if we don't um, pick up a result of any form, I, I'm instantly going to be looking at the last two seasons and how we've started. Because K- KR did say before the Lincoln game, this is the best time to be playing Oxford United. Um, and I think they said on the radio, like, what do you mean? And he's just like, well, we need to gel. Everyone needs to get together. And you could say, well, every team kind of has that going on. Um, I kind of know what he means. But yeah, we've we've got to have a better start than we've had in the last two years if we want to set ourselves up for a, a good season, which I think more than ever, there's expectation there, isn't there? So, Well, I think the thing is as well, as we're about to touch on, there's so many games to come in October. If we're kind of already off the pace a little bit, it could be a very long October. Yeah, so we've got... Uh, Sunderland obviously on Saturday then we've got a week um, before our next game playing Accrington um, away that's a shame we can't go to that makes me sad crew crew at home this is get, now getting into October we've got one, two, three, four, five, six. is that seven eight games, games. Or is eight, that eight games, games? eight games yeah, in October massive. mental including a JPT thing within there maybe a couple of those so you've got crew at home, Bristol Rovers at home, Gillingham away, Peterborough away, MK Dons at home, Wankers at home, <laughs> Charlton away, and then Fleetwood away. Like, that is not an easy run of games, John, is it? Like, we're going to do well to come out of that and be in the top, let's say, be in the playoff positions. Yeah, but I mean, the closed door dynamic really could play into a lot, yeah. play into a lot of those fixtures. Um, I think some teams will need, need their home fans to make things happen um charlton have uh you know saw this evening the efl have turned down their latest owners or attempt at owners for the fit and person fit and proper persons test so they're in charlton are seriously heading towards a berry situation so i mean god forbid it doesn't happen but we might not have, end up playing them you never know um yeah so no i think but it's all about momentum i think i, I don't i do sort of understand what chaos getting at but equally as you said everyone's in the same boat and if we get going and partnerships click, then why does it take three or four games? So, yeah, yeah. Jack, is there any anything in that? Do you reckon there's going to be a lack of intensity to the games? Do you reckon that's just going to be something that all of the players and all the teams are going to have to try and inject themselves about the fans there? Yeah, I think so. Although if we're having this kind of a thousand fans let in, I think that's almost going to be weirder. Yeah. Um. Because are they going to be exactly. spread out? Are they like we're going to have them all in the north stand? Are they going to be? I suppose playing away at Fleetwood, they only get about a thousand anyway, so it won't be any difference. <laughs> but um, someone was having a laugh there, weren't they? Fleetwood away on Halloween when we never get any points against them whatsoever. Never mind. I'll tell you what, I'm actually happy I don't have to hear that fucking Captain Pugwash music <laughs> this year. <laughs> or whatever it is. <laughs> you sounded so sour about that, James. Oh, it's just the worst. Everything about that club is the worst thing. <laughs> Especially their manager. Oh, all of it. Um, yeah, okay. Um, rest of the transfer window then before we, we wrap up. Um, I think it's pretty obvious what we need, given Moose's injury. But John, if you had to prioritise kind of... Oh, God, I forgot Ruffles was injured as yeah. well, you know. I, could, I know we talked about it right at the at the off, but... So Ruffles is out. We we said that we needed cover. And to be honest, I was saying I'd much rather have someone that's actually going to play there and challenge him, keep him on his toes. That Do you think that would be a loan, John? Or what do you reckon? Uh, I think KR mentioned that the left-back they were talking about bringing in was going to be young. Um, for me, the left-backs 
getting towards being the top priority because I think teams that get promoted have a, a pretty mean defence and then they, they tend to score freely, but the defence is more important. Um, so I think we need to try and find someone with a bit of experience. But again, I think someone made it on the point on the radio on Saturday, that person's not necessarily going to be fit. Um, yeah. But Sam Long will have great games like he did against Watford at left-back. And then in a league game, it's a different story. Um, I think we may have to gamble on the centre-back, not getting an experienced centre-back in um, for the for, for the short term. Oh, I, don't, I don't know. Connor, what do you reckon about the centre-back? Because Dickie left and we haven't replaced... I know people are saying Atkinson was there in the background, but... It's, it's the salary cap and squad size yeah. underlying as well with all this stuff. Yeah, um, well said. John, I think that I think that's going to play a key role in in our movements in the window, because like you say, if we're going to go in for a left back uh, who might end up being a lone player, then depending on that salary cap, that might open up avenues to acquire a centre back. Um, but we don't know what the club finances look like, so obviously the loan market might be an option for for both of those positions. I I still think that left sided cover is actually more important than the centre backs. Um, I just, I just yeah. really think that. I mean, now Ruffles is out. Obviously, now it's a big issue. But even before that, there's no one push. I know Ruffles is like you know the fittest bloke on earth, and he just plays so many games back to back to back, and he's fantastic. But he's got there's no cover there. There's nothing to push him. And yes, now Sam Long is going to end up playing there. And thank God we've signed Claire to to play on the right hand side because I mean, of course. I forget we do have Ford, but then he's not a natural right back, is he? Um, yeah. I just, I, I think it'll end, personally, I think it'll end up being two loan signings at this at this rate. But like I say, and and what John made reference to there, it, I, it depends on the salary cap and where or whether or not we've got room to manoeuvre in that. Because obviously it's loan signings, sorry, also loan signings, it depends on on the actual loan deal, depending on who pays the wages and that sort of thing as well. So you know top loan targets might not actually be available anyway if they can't you know if we have to pay 100% of their wages then that also might pose problems but it depends on the ages of players and, and and the clubs that they're coming from I guess sorry John no it was just a, a, another issue that I don't think we'll, we can't solve is just the the average age of the defence is seriously young with Claire at right back and then a, a left back it's I don't think it's going to solve I honestly look at our defense, um, even at its strongest, and I'm still. It doesn't fill me with yeah, any t- confidence the- going into the season. And I don't mean that to be like salty mm. to the team or controversial, but I, I genuinely, it's the it's the area of our team that I look at at all times, including Eastwood being blunt about it, and I think that's not you know it's not the strongest area, which is why I'm a bit sad that we haven't reinvested. I, I get the salary cap thing. But there's things you can do. There's players that could go out, whatever. I still think we needed to invest a bit of money to replace him um, rather than trying to win every game 4-3. <laughs> but Jack, what, what are your thoughts on all of that? There's the left winger as well. If you had to prioritise one, what are you going for? Um, Centre-back, I think. I think we, 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 dis- yeah. we discussed last week that if slash Wayne Atkinson has a poor run of form, which he's going to do. He's a young lad. We saw it with Dickey in his first season. Um, or if him or more get a suspension, we are, we are then looking at Moose. Uh, well, we're not looking at Moose. We're looking at Nico Jones. 
know, we've been saying for the last 18 months, he probably needs to run the games out on loan. But the issue we face is, are we really going to go and spend some money on a player who started his season at another club and is probably therefore first choice and we pay over the odds? But the flip side is we sign a free agent who's probably not been training anywhere and doesn't and isn't fit. And that, that applies to the left-back situation. So then the answer yeah, exactly, is yeah. young loanee. But then that's the whole experience point of view again. So it's a really tricky one. I don't think KR can win with whatever signing he makes, actually, um, that that whatever it's going to be is going to be a bit of a gamble. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. I still think on the left side, given the issues we've got with general cover at both ends of the pitch, Marvin Johnson, <laughs> I've, I've definitely said this before, but it, it's that, but he was such yeah. like a rare breed of player that was actually just so good in either, really. I just absolutely loved watching that guy. I'd, I'd love it if we could find someone like that, and that'd be two birds, one stone. Yeah, I think you're living in a little bit of a fantasy land there, mate. I, um, I don't think that, that player's available at the moment. <laughs> I wish he was. I really wish he was, but I don't think... No. Well, he, he, he does, yeah. Him, I think. He yeah. didn't have a good time under... I watched, I watched the Middlesbrough game the other day, actually, and Johnson played well. He looked good. Yeah. Yeah, he's he's a, he's a good player. Um, right, we're an hour. We're over an hour. We said this would be a quickie, but it never is. Um, it's just worth noting that some news came out um, earlier today around Macclesfield being in a similar situation to Bury. I think we referenced it earlier on. Debts um, spiraling out of control. Over a hundred, sorry, five hundred k owed. Um, it's a really sad situation, Jack, isn't it? Well, yeah, I, th- I think it's even gone beyond Bury that they are they as of this morning they were wound up, so they no longer exist. Whereas uh, Bury are still essentially a football team, but owned by that nutter in charge. But yeah, as you know, Macclesfield will not will not take part, and they'll probably be a Phoenix club, maybe if there's enough interest. Yeah, that's really sad. I still remember going there one all draw Rob Hall as like a seventeen year old equalising in the last minute. Good times. Yeah, that is really sad. Um, thoughts go out to those guys and all the fans and all the, everyone connected to the club. It's a terrible situation. But I guess, John, are you, are you su- surprised there hasn't been more of that um, to date, given COVID and everything? I thought, you know, I think at one point we expected there to be clubs queuing up to that would be in this position of, in a way. Well, I mean, Southend um, have had, had a winding up order in the same run of cases heard today is Macclesfield and that's been delayed for six weeks. I think it is for them to pay about 500 grand's worth of, of taxes. So they're, they're one as much as we, well, joke about <laughs> always playing them. Um, I, the, yeah. the thing for me is that the, the level of fans needed to get back into stadiums needs to sort of ramp up reasonably soon. Um, or certainly in the next couple of months, because even putting on a thousand fans, I doubt a club makes any money from putting on a thousand fans, really. I guess as I follow revenue, so I think it's the sort of ticking time on for the three or four months down the line where we are, really. Yeah, um, I messaged the club actually to ask them to lay out the details about I follow about how much money the club actually makes because I know it's split by like the home team takes the money, the cups. There's obviously got to be something different going on there because that wouldn't be fair if whoever just got drawn at home could get eye follow revenue or whatever but 
I, I would like to see something um, kind of summarized there because it would probably drive a lot more fans to actually pay to the for the match pass, which is what is it a tenner? Yeah, it's tenner. Yeah. yeah, I think um, right now that's the, the thing is it's the only the best thing we can do as fans to support the club is exactly, buy an yeah. iFollow pass. Um, and but yeah, that, do you not it. think they should say that eighty percent of the money goes to the club and? 20% to the EFL or whatever like it'd be good if to just have that broadcasted so we knew uh, the the thing that makes me nervous if they're not shouting about it is that the the split isn't as nice as that and it might put people off but well I can still say I think that subtle message and it's something for someone for like a KR to subtly say in, in his in his messaging or get the media to sort of subtly say it is doesn't matter about percentages it's still the best way to get money into the club yeah exactly yeah that's a good point well hopefully we get something back from the club on that um so we can talk about it but there you go right we will be back after Sunderland here's hoping we get um a beautiful performance and three points and um we'll catch you after that thanks guys and see you later